So let's dive in today to part three of our series that we're doing for the summer called The Holy Who. We're diving into this idea of who the Holy Spirit is and why Jesus says what he says in John 16, verse seven. I'll put this uh, scripture up here. John 16, seven, Jesus, his words, red letter says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so last, uh, the two weeks ago, uh, we opened up this series talking about who is the Holy Spirit, that he's not a force, he's not Casper, he's not some, something that you don't know, it is a person, he is a part of the Trinity, and what his role is. Last week, Pastor Bubba shared what does the Holy Spirit do, what's his role in our lives, and we actually unpacked this word advocate, that this word advocate means comforter and counselor and helper, and uh, he, he convicts us. This, these are all the things that he does. Today, I'm going to share a message called, What is the Baptism in the Holy Spirit? And we're going to dive more into this series and unpack who the Holy Spirit is. Now, let me just start off here for those that are in the room and those that are watching online, you can participate with us. If you've ever heard of that phrase, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want you to raise your hand. If you've heard that phrase before, raise your hand. I just want to see who I'm working with. Okay. So some, some raise your hand, some don't. That's fine. We're going to explain it today. And before I explain the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I've got, to, I've got to do some work. I've got to set this thing up a little bit and explain baptism uh, to you so you can understand. So there are actually three baptisms, and you need to understand this. There's actually three baptisms that God desires for us as followers of Christ. Now, most of us will say, well, I knew there was one, water, right? Everybody knows that one, but what are the other ones? I'm gonna show you, and so we're gonna dive in today. So let me give you these three thoughts. Number one is that the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. Now, this is the moment of salvation. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way. Watch what 1 Corinthians 12 says. We have all been baptized into, everybody help me with these white words, into one by one, and we all share the same. So it is the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into one body. How many of you have ever heard the term the body of Christ? How many of you have heard that before? Okay, a number of you maybe have. So the body of Christ speaks of the church. It speaks of God's family. We are adopted and brought into God's family. Now I'm gonna explain this to you in a way that maybe you've never heard before because this is very, very important. So when God made Adam and Eve, he created male and female. And he made them with three parts, a body, a soul, and a spirit. All three. I'm going to show you a little diagram. I'll show you how this plays out. So Adam and Eve were made with a body, soul, and spirit. We know that he formed them from the ground. We know that he gave them the soul, and then he breathed breath into the life, and so they have a spirit. Okay, now we know, if you know the story of Garden of Eden, that God tells them, you shall not eat of the tree of knowledge of evil, good and evil. If you do, what does it say? Anybody know? You will surely die. Die. You will surely die. Now, we know Eve blew it all up for all of us. And, no, I'm joking. All right. They both did. They both ate the fruit. They both, they both messed up. And the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed. Now they were naked and shamed. They hid themselves. They felt guilty. They felt all that stuff. Question. Ready? Everybody help me. Did they die? No. no. They didn't die. So wait, what, is God a liar? Because God said, if you surely eat it, you will surely die. They did not die. 
Well, no, no, a part of them did die. This part, right here, this one died. Their spirit died. And so watch this. So since that moment, every person that's ever been born after Adam and Eve had been born into a world with this part of them dead. The spirit is dead. Put that other one back up. The spirit is dead. Mother Teresa was born with a dead spirit. Billy Graham was born with a dead spirit. You and I were born with dead spirits. We walked into this world dead. So, so we are led by, watch this, we are led apart from Christ by this right here, your body and soul, which Galatians 5 would classify this as the flesh. If you've ever heard the difference between being led by the flesh and led by the spirit, this is what it's talking about, being led by the flesh. And we have a tendency to be led by this. Now, your soul is made up of three parts, we know. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, and emotions, your thinker, your chooser, your feeler, all of this that's here. And so this is dead. It's dead. Why is that so important? Because for you and I to get saved, this has to come alive. So how do you make this come alive? Well, religion would tell you, go to church, pray, read your Bible, and do good things. Well, we know that that's not even scriptural to make this thing come alive. This is, watch what Jesus says in John chapter 3. Watch what he says this. John chapter 3 says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God here we go. Without being born of water and? Okay, all right. So water is not being born like baptism. Water is all the mamas in here, okay? All the mamas, listen up. When you were about to have your baby, what broke? Your water. So every person on this planet that's in this room was born into this world through? Through water, Okay. But Jesus says, that's not enough. You can't just be born of water. You also have to be born of the spirit. The spirit has to come alive. Now, everybody, is everybody in? We, we're, all, we're all on the same page here? So, watch this. So religion will tell you that in order for your spirit, man, go back to the spirit, the, my dead spirit picture. All right, the religion will tell you that in order for this to get fixed, religion will tell you, you're a good person, Okay, you just do bad things every once in a while. Where the Bible says, no, 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 you're not a bad person that needs to become good. You're a dead person that needs to come alive. And so for you to come alive, look what the rest of this verse, go, go to the rest of this verse now. Born of water and of spirit, humans can only reproduce only human life. Watch, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to? So when you surrender your life to the Lord and you admit that you're a sinner, that you need Christ and what he did on the cross was enough, the Bible says you are born again. Okay, so born, you're born into water. You're born again by the, by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit baptizes us into salvation. So what ends up happening is when the Holy Spirit gets a, a part of your life and you surrender your life to Jesus, watch what the next thing, then all of a sudden, put the next rabbit up, then it comes alive. So I just explained salvation to you and we'll explain it more actually in the coming weeks because watch this, when you lived with this dead for so many years, maybe for some of you it was 20 something years, 30 something years, 40 something years, and this was dead and you were living by the flesh and then all of a sudden you 
I need to give my life to Jesus, and you get the Spirit baptize you in Jesus, and you get saved, and you get born again, how many of you know this doesn't die? So guess what? For 30 or 40 plus years, you were living by this, and how many know this guy goes, okay, now I'm the boss, and this guy's like, okay. How many know this guy's like, let's go. So that's why you come in here, and you get saved, and then you walk out of here, and you cuss somebody on the way out. I just related to everybody in here. They're like, he saw me. It was on video. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit told me. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> so you have a flesh that's been ruling for 30 or 40 years, and all of a sudden your spirit's now alive, and your spirit goes, okay, now I'm ruling, and your flesh goes, not without me. Let's go. And so that's why you're still addicted to porn. And that's why you still have anger issues. This is alive, and you're right before God, and you are saved, and you are going to heaven. But how many know this still needs to be renewed in Christ? Okay, we'll talk more, a lot about, more about that in the weeks to come. I just wanted to set it all up. So, so that's why you hear Pastor Bubba and I will say things like this. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people who were dead. Y'all get it? So when people get saved, this is becoming alive. And now some of you are in church and you would have been doing other things on Sundays long time before Jesus, but now you're saved. You're like, I want to go to church. You're like, what's going on? This is alive. And this is drawing you to become more like Jesus. Okay, so that's the first baptism. You get saved, salvation, born again. Second baptism is the disciples baptize us in water. This is the baptism all of you know. When I said baptism, this is the one that you immediately thought of. It actually water baptism. So this is what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. <clears throat> Next verse. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So after we get saved, the next thing that God wants us to do is to go public with our faith in baptism. Now let me say this because I need to say this. Baptism does not make you saved. I need everybody to hear me because we, we have to talk with people when we have baptism Sundays and we're telling people, okay, baptism Sunday's coming up. We have all these people that come up, man, I really need to get baptized. Why do you want to get baptized? Because I want to go to heaven. Wrong. You don't go to heaven by getting baptized. No, no, you're getting baptized because you're going to heaven. You're letting people know I am going to heaven and because I'm going to heaven, I want everybody to know that I'm his now. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like when Lindsay and I got married and I proposed to her and she said, yes, I'll marry you. And then we had a wedding, full on, full on wedding. Why did we do the wedding? Did I need the wedding to get married? No, people don't have weddings, huge extravagant weddings to get married. They'll just go to justice of the peace or do something. But why did we do the huge extravagant thing? Because that's what she wanted. Okay, so <laughs> I would have gone to justice of the peace and kept the money. Okay, so. But we went, listen, we went public. We put the rings on. We said, I do. I wrote a song for her. One day I'll pull it out, maybe. So why did we do all that? Because I was going public with everybody that she's taken and she's mine. And I'm taken and I'm hers. And so I'm letting all the world know I'm off the grid. I know. No more. No more digits going out. One digit. That's it. And baptism is the same way. Baptism is not 
for me to get saved, baptism is because I'm saved. I'm going public and letting everybody know he's now my king. He's now the Lord of my life. I've surrendered my life to him, dead in Christ, raised to new life in Christ. This is, this is why 27 times in the New Testament after people got saved, they were baptized because salvation is a private decision, but baptism is a public declaration. If I said, I love you behind closed scenes, but I never told anybody about it, how much do I really love her? Are y'all with me? I go around and say, see this name? See this? I'm taken. She got my last name. She's mine. So water baptism is very similar to the same thing. And so you'll see pictures like this. This is what happens at a water baptism here. So this is, notice me or Pastor Bubba are not in the photo because you don't have to have a pastor baptize you. Jesus said, the disciples will go and preach and baptize. Guess who all these people are around her? People who have discipled her, people who've invested in her. And guess what? They get the also amazing privilege of baptizing her. This is what scripture tells us. Here's the issue though, is too many people stop with the first two baptisms. They, they get born again and give their life to Jesus and got their going into heaven card. And then maybe they get water baptized and go public and say, I'm, I'm all his. And then they stop there. But you need to know today that Jesus has a third baptism for you that is so vitally important to you living all that God has for you. And the third one is that Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, and this is supernatural power. This is so huge here, and I know as soon as you, know, you heard maybe we were doing a, a message on the Holy Spirit, or maybe even heard that the phrase baptism in the Holy Spirit, you're like, oh, because maybe there's been experiences that you've had that were a little crazy, and you're like, man, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Today, I hope to debunk all of that and just help you see that one of the greatest, most powerful gifts you can ever receive is this third baptism. Matthew chapter 3, this is what John the Baptist says about Jesus. He's about to baptize Jesus, and he says, I baptize, this is John the Baptist, I baptize with what? Water. With water. I put you down, pull you out. Those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Now watch this. He's so much greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to be a slave or even carry his pumas. I can't do it. He will, or Crocs. Maybe it's Crocs. Okay. He will, watch this. He, who's he? Jesus. Jesus will baptize you with the, and with Okay, so let me explain this. I have to explain this first because this is so important for you to understand. Because I hear people go, well, when I got saved, didn't I get the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes, because you can't actually be born again without the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. So when I do that, my spirit man comes alive and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Okay, well, well, if I have the Holy Spirit, then why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What, that doesn't really quite make sense. Well, we see throughout Scripture that not only do we get baptized with water, but we do get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus does. Watch, Acts chapter 8. Everybody with me? We good? Okay. Acts chapter 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. All right, they, they've accepted it. They believe in it. 
When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the... Watch this. Because the Holy Spirit had not come, yet come upon any of them. Next verse. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were saved. So then Peter and John places their hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Well, they were already saved. They'd already been baptized. What are we talking about? Peter and John said, we've got to go and we need to make sure that they understand about the third baptism, which is so vitally important. We say, well, Pastor Josh, what's the difference with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Does it really make a difference for me to have it? Absolutely. And yet again, I'll go to scripture and I want to continue to unpack this. So Ephesus is a city that in those days, in the biblical days, was one of the major cities of those times. It had um, the greatest marketplaces. So the greatest, hey, ladies, greatest shopping ever at Ephesus. Go see it. Everything's on sale. Okay. They had, they had the greatest athletes came out of Ephesus. So the greatest sports games were happening at Ephesus. Not only that, they had uh, the most, one of the largest prisons was actually in Ephesus. So not only did they have the wealthiest and the shopping and the athletes, they also had kind of the worst of the worst also in the city. And on top of that, Ephesus worshiped a temple princess, a goddess they called Diana. Diana was the one that they worshiped. They would have images of them, idols of them. And here we are in the midst of this, watch this, a brand new church gets planted right there in the middle of all of this. And not only is it a brand new church, but uh, Timothy and John go to help pastor it. Paul spends majority of his time traveling more in Ephesus than any other place. And I want to introduce you to the first pastor, the very first pastor of Ephesus. It's a guy by the name of Apollos. Watch what Acts chapter 18 says. Acts chapter 18 says this. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos. Now watch this. Watch his resume. I want you to think about, would you want this kind of pastor leading you? He's an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well. He had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit. Come on, how many know this guy wasn't a boring preacher? I mean, he had an enthusiastic spirit and he was also very educated because he did it with accuracy too. He wasn't just preaching whatever, he was preaching biblical. However, this is huge. He only knew about John's baptism. So he only knew about water baptism. But verse 26 says this, watch this. When Priscilla and Aquila had heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. So they're like, pastor, we need to meet with you. We need to have a sit down conversation with you. And they sat down with him and they said, everything you're preaching is amazing. You are amazing. Come on, how many of you would want Pastor Apollos to be your pastor? I mean, educated, preaches ferociously, enthusiastic about Jesus. I mean, this is an incredible, incredible guy. And yet they pull him aside and say, we need to teach you some other things. And we know if you read the rest of that story, he goes on to go help at other churches and in walks the Apostle Paul. Watch Acts chapter 19. Acts 19 says it this way. So while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travels through the interior region until he reaches Ephesus on the coast where he had found several believers. Watch the first question Paul asks. Everybody say this with me. Did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Okay, let's just pause there for a moment. Why ask that question? 
I would think the first question you would want to ask is, have you given your life to Jesus? Are you saved? Or maybe the next question is, hey, have you been baptized? You need to get baptized. But he goes directly to the third question, the third baptism, because he knows they're a part of the church. He knows the church is thriving. He knows Apollos isn't a phenomenal preacher. He knows they understand all that. And so he goes right to the thing that he thinks they don't know about. And so he asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, when you got saved? And they answered him, what? No, watch this. They actually replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they were clueless. It wasn't that they didn't want it. They didn't even know about it. And so watch what the next verse says, verse three. So then what baptism did you experience? And he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John, which is the baptism of water. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And we know by reading the story of what John said, that Jesus is going to come. He's mightier than I. I can't carry his pumas, all that stuff. He's going to baptize you not only with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with, and with fire. And as soon as they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, saved. And here we go. Next verse, verse six and seven. Then Paul lays his hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. They say, well, why is this so important? Well, I want you to see what actually happens because this next part is mightily important. Verse 11 says this. So God gave Paul the power, everybody say power, power. to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs, Kleenexes, and, and aprons. So undoubtedly, Paul liked to cook. Hey, come on now. Uh, he liked to work. He was a working man. We know he built tents and all. So handkerchiefs and aprons that, that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people. Next verse says, next verse, is it going? There we go. They were healed of the disease and evil spirits were expelled. Now watch, let's keep going. Stay with me. I know this is a lot of verses. Stay with me. We're getting somewhere. The story of what had happened spread quickly all throughout Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike, and a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. Watch what happens. Here's the transformation. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery, remember, because Diana was the temple goddess, brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. Ready? Gets better. The value of the books was several million dollars. This wasn't like just some, like, oh, I got Dr. Seuss. Can you burn that one? Like, this is like really expensive books. Several million dollars worth so that the message about the Lord spread widely and had a, everybody say this, powerful effect. Okay, why is this so important? Acts 18, you have a phenomenal pastor. He's a phenomenal preacher. He's educated. He's eloquent. He knows scripture. I mean, he's really good. And then Acts 19, you get Paul, which the Bible says was not eloquent, by the way, but he was spirit-filled. Acts 18, watch this. Acts 18, you get a really good Sunday service. Acts 19, you get a city turned upside down. Acts 18, you get a really eloquent preacher. 
Acts 19, you get a non-eloquent but man filled with the Spirit preacher. Acts 18, you get a church that is doing good things inside the church. Acts 19, you got the church being the church and the city's getting turned upside down. Millions of people are getting burned. Hey, here's the question. Ready? Here's my question. What chapter do you live in? What chapter do you live in? What, what chapter does our Savior's church live in? I, I don't want just a Christianity that thrives in the church but doesn't thrive in our city. Come on, how many know our city doesn't need churches that have good services? Come on, how many know our city needs a church filled with people full of the Holy Spirit that step out of here and see God do incredible works in our workplaces, in our homes, in our families, in our marriages? Come on, how many know that is the effect of the Holy Spirit? Not that you can speak in tongues. I know mean people that speak in tongues. It's not that you can just even just do a healing here or there. It's that you live with the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. When you walk into places, there's something that's on you that's different than everybody else. That God has put this on us as a church. I love what Andrew Murray said. Oh, I love it. He says this, men and women ought to seek with their whole hearts to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because without being filled with the Spirit, it is utterly impossible that an individual Christian or church can ever live or work as God desires. This is so huge for us. This is why before Jesus ascended into heaven and he's about to send his guys in this go make disciples, baptize people, go change the world, right before he says go, Luke 24, Jesus says this, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father has promised. But everybody say this, but what? Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from. These guys were saved. These guys love Jesus. But Jesus knew that the only way they were going to be able to go and do everything that he had called them to do, they needed the third baptism. They needed the Holy Spirit to come and give them power that they couldn't have on their own. How do we know that to be true? Peter is a great depiction of this. Peter, when Jesus is on trial, denies Jesus three times, even to a little girl. And then you fast forward to Acts chapter three and Peter is standing up and proclaiming, you crucified him. And 3,000 plus people get saved on that day. How do you go from denying Jesus to standing up and proclaiming in people's faces, you're the one that crucified him. You need to repent and turn from your ways and 3,000 people get saved. You know why? Acts chapter two. Acts chapter 2 is the moment of Pentecost when all of the disciples are full of the Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that changed in Peter's life between his denial and his preaching of the gospel in Acts chapter 3 is that he gets filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and a power comes on him that he did not have before Jesus went to the cross. So what chapter are you living in? Is it based off of you trying to do good? I'm gonna to try to be a better husband or I'm gonna to try to do this more. Listen, I love what Corey Tin Boone said. Corey Tin Boone was uh, a survivor of the Holocaust. 
All of her family, most of her family got, got killed. She was a survivor in the midst of it. So how many know if someone survives the Holocaust, you need to listen to what they have to say. And she says, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all works. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus flows out of you. Come on, how many of you want just the ministry of Jesus to flow out of you? Hey, ready? If you're not full of spirit, guess what? The ministry of you flows out of you. And how many know you only give so much of yourself until you run out? And then when I start giving more of me, it's not good. Anybody with me? Yeah, your spouse is shaking their heads. Yes, yes. Why? Because when, when we're full of the Spirit of God, what flows out of us is Jesus, points people to Jesus. I want people to know Jesus. That's the whole goal, by the way, is we become more like Jesus. We point people to Jesus. Everything is about him becoming more. That's why Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and I'm done. Ephesians 5, 18. Hey, by the way, guess what city this is? <laughs> Ephesus. And so Paul writes to the Ephesus church after Acts, after the church is planted, he writes a letter back to the Ephesus church and he reminds them, hey guys, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Because he knows just because they received the Holy Spirit once when he got there doesn't mean that they're going to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit when he leaves. So he writes to them and says, hey, be filled with the Holy Which, by the way, is not a one-time experience. It's a daily experience. I drove here on the way here, and I looked at my gas gauge. I had 20 miles left on my gas gauge. Now, if y'all know me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go till it gets to about two. Now, if I go too much more than that, I'm, I'm a risk taker. If I go too much more than that, I'm going to be calling Lindsay or somebody and be like, hey, come help me out. But I am at some point in the next day or so going to have to go fill that truck up if I want to go anywhere else. Ready? Watch this. If you live in chapter 18, you're running on empty. And so this message here is for every person that is in this room or every person that's watching online that you feel stuck, you feel drained, you feel depressed, you feel despair, you feel like nothing's changing. Could it be that you're doing everything on your own and you need the third baptism? God, I just need you today. Fill me fresh again. And listen, notice I didn't say anything about tongues. I could care less about tongues. We'll talk about it in the weeks to come. I just want you to have power. That's what I want you to have right now. I want you to have the fruit of the Spirit and power in your life. And there are those gifts, and we'll talk about those. We'll talk about healings and miracles and interpretations and knowledge. And all of those are beautiful things that come in the Holy Spirit. And we'll dive into that. But let's not let that keep us from the great gift that God wants to give us in the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? So four things, four thoughts. I'm going quick, I promise. Four ways we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, we got to remove all barriers. The Holy Spirit will only come into the life of a person who says, God, less of me and more of you. God, I empty myself. Maybe there's some sin that's in your life that has been repetitive and you know, man, that's just something you need to get right with the Lord. You need to confess it to him and you need to invite him to come and begin to wash that out. Maybe you need to be saved. You can't really get baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit until you become born again. Surrender your heart to the Lord. Surrender your life to him. Realize that Jesus did everything for you. 
the Holy Spirit will come live on the inside of you. So you got to remove. Number two, you got to request. You got to ask. You got to ask. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you want more of God, now's the time. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you want more love and more power, you want those things to operate more in your life, now's the time. But you've got to say, God, I want it. And then watch this. Not only do I request God, give me the Holy Spirit. Number two, I mean, number three, I got to receive him by faith. You're not going to get anything that you don't receive. How many know if I throw you a ball and you do this, come on, how many know you ain't catching? How many know if I throw it, you got to put your glove up. And we've been taught in this Southern culture that when people try to give you something and try to bless you, you say what? No, thank you. Have not we been taught that? Y'all been taught that as a kid? Your parents said, if they try to give you anything, just say, no, thank you. And we, like, it was a badge of honor. Like, we're being, but these people want to bless you. How I many know? We take that into our relationship with God, and God goes, I have something for you. And we go, no, thank you. I'm good. And God's like, I want you to have this. You know why your marriage is struggling? Because you're trying to do it on your own. You know why you can't break that addiction to pornography? Because you're trying to do it on your own. You know why there's these things that are in your life that you just can't seem to get back over? It's because you're trying to do it on your own, and so you've got to receive it. And well, how do I receive it? Ready? How did you receive Jesus? By faith. You said, Jesus, I receive your salvation today. God, thank you for cleansing me. You just received it, right? The same way you receive Jesus is the same way you receive the Holy Spirit. God, if you want it, I want it. And the last one is you just got to relate to him daily. You got to relate to him daily. Would you just close your eyes all across this room? This is, I just want this just to be a moment. If you're just here in this room and you say, man, I just, I just want more. I want more of God. I want more of him in my life. I want more power. I want more love. I want more joy. If God has more for me, I want more. Today, I want to receive it. I receive it. Whether you're watching online right now, you're there in your home and you just feel stuck. You just feel like, I don't know what to do. I, you just want more. Today, just right there where you are, if, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, let's begin there. Just right there where you are, if you're online or you're here in this room, you can just say this after me and just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that you're the Savior, that you came to this life to live a life that I couldn't live, and you died a death that I deserve to die. My sins put you on the cross, but you willingly gave your life and you rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. And say this today, today I turn from my sins, I repent, and I turn to you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that right now, I believe at the same time, the Holy Spirit's come and he is living on the inside of you. But I believe he also wants to endue you with renewed power. And if that's you that's in this room, you say, man, I just want that. I, I want that. 
would you just stand all across this room and we're gonna close out this service today. I just want you to stand. If that's you, just say, man, I just, I want that in my life. Just, just stand right there where you are. If you're there online, you can be in your living room. It don't matter, but just, we're gonna pray with you. The same God, it don't, you, don't, you don't have to stand, but it is a posture today. We're just saying, God, I need you. I want you. Would you just lift your hands all across this room? And we're praying for you. I, listen, I, there's nothing special in my hands. You can receive the Holy Spirit right there where you are, fresh and new. I believe with all my heart that he wants to pour his spirit out on this house. So Father, right now, God, we pray over every person right now that is standing. God, just a, uh, a, an acknowledgement that, that we need you. We need you. We desperately need you. We desperately need, would you just right there where you are, would you just make that proclamation to him? He, he needs to hear that from you. Would you just ask? Would you request? Would you receive? Just right there where you are. We're gonna just worship just for a quick moment, just right here where you are. But would you just, I want you to have a moment right now with the Lord. Declare that to him. Fill the room, fill the room, fill the room Lord. Fill, fill the, the homes, room, Lord. Fill the, fill the cars, Lord. Holy fill the hearts, Spirit. Lord. Fill our minds, Lord. Fill us with more of you. The Bible says many, many, many times throughout Scripture that as they were worshiping in one accord, that the Holy Spirit came and began to fill the house. I believe the same can happen here as we come and pray in one accord, believe in one accord, worship in one accord with one heart. The Holy Spirit loves the heart of a people who cry out desperately for Him in this place. So come on, we love you, Lord. Jesus, we need you. It's Holy Spirit. Come on, we sing that to him. Fill the room, fill the room. refueled, refreshed. God, we thank you, Lord, that you love to fill your people who are on mission for you. God, we want to live for you. We want to live for you. We want all that you have for us. So God, today we pray that 
an outpouring of your spirit. But God, I pray that it wouldn't just be something that happens in this building or online. God, I pray that tomorrow as they wake up in the morning, that we posture ourselves to go, God, fill me again. God, fill me again. I need you again today. And Tuesday, fill me again. And when I walk into the boardroom, fill me again. And God, when I walk into my homes, fill me again. God, when I have to deal with the, the, the things that come against me, God, fill me again. When I have to speak up for truth, fill me again. Lord, we need you. We need you. God, we thank you for the healing that comes. We pray, God, that there would be miracles that not only happen in this house, but outside of this house. God, I pray in Walmart and in workplaces and in schools and in neighborhoods, God, as we believe for you to do only what you can do, that you would get all the credit and you would get all the glory. God, it's not about what you do in us, but what you're doing through us to make your kingdom known. God, we want your kingdom to be lifted high. So God, empty us today, less of us and more of you less of us and more of you. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. We give you all the praise and all the glory because it all goes to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, can we give Jesus the highest praise that he deserves?